Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Willie Miranda with Miranda Real Estate Group in Clifton Park, New York. Last year, he closed 809 transactions with a total sales volume of $169 million and a GCI of $4.4 million. His average sales price was $208,000, of which 45% were buyers and 55% were sellers. Willie started as a solo agent, built a small team, then a large team, and now has grown into a hybrid team broker model with 80 agents and 10 staff members. Willie is the team leader and has been an agent for 20 years. He works the Albany, New York market and sold $1.5 billion in real estate during his career, making Willie a billion-dollar agent. In this call, Willie talks about starting real estate $120,000 in debt, building an insurance practice in lockstep with his real estate practice, selling 13 homes his first year from insurance client referrals, quadrupling the second year to 50 closings when he hired a coach and learned direct response marketing, reflecting after 20 years of team building on the most profitable stage of growth. It might surprise you. An in-depth look at agent compensation, including how to pay a listing specialist. How to set listing appointments by adding the five powerful words and what not to do. New school method for converting a buyer lead into a client. Using targeted Facebook ads for just listed, just sold lead generation. Annual marketing plan to friends, family, and past clients that results in repeating referrals and 60% of his business, including an old school method that still works wonders. How he's getting 5% conversion rate on Zillow leads with the 3412 follow up method. Profit margins, team dynamics, compensation, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Willie. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me on the call today. Hey, Willie, it's great to have you here. Willie, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, Mike, right out of college, I was actually going to be a state trooper and ended up not going that direction because I had a six-month wait from the time that I had to go into the trooper academy. And I had to get a job. I was uh, broke from out of college and had some bills that we had to pay. And so about six months uh, away from the academy, I got a job working for a Prudential Life Insurance Company. Uh, it graduated a four-year degree in business economics and finance. So I ended up putting my resume out. And uh, little did I know, I got like four different calls from all these life insurance companies. I thought I was a big hotshot, but I didn't realize that they hired anyone regardless of a degree or not. So, um, so I ended up going with them and uh, really loved the sales process. I loved the, the, the whole financial planning side of it. And uh, ended up making more in six months as an insurance agent 
than I would have as a state trooper for the whole year. So when the uh, academy uh, called to you know come in and join them, I decided at that point that I did not want to go that route and ended up being an insurance agent and got into prudential life insurance. So in 1995, I ended up switching companies going to Allstate Insurance because uh, everyone said that it's better to do auto and homeowners, uh, more for a clientele to reach with that product. And I ended up doing that. And that's what I, I did before real estate. Wow. How long did you sell insurance before you got into real estate? Eight years. Uh, I got into it, like I said, 1991 or so, and just into about 1998 when I got into real estate. And the reason I got into real estate, Mike, was because at the time when I was uh, doing the insurance at Allstate, I, we were doing good. We were hitting all kinds of awards and number one in our, in our area for certain items that we had to sell. But unfortunately, you know, when you're, I was at Prudential, I was an employee. I got into the management. But when I went on my own uh, with Allstate, I paid for rent, heat, lights. I had to pay for staff, and a lot of my money was going into building that clientele until we got a good residual book of business. So I found myself about $125,000 in debt in, at 1998, and uh, I knew I needed to get another job, and uh, or at least a part-time job to, to help me until I got the book of business where it is today. And I was fortunate. You know, I had a, a couple clients that had recommended me to maybe looking to get in real estate, that they had terrible experiences with their agents and how, what a great agent I would be. So I looked into it, got my license and uh, fell in love with it. Haven't looked back since. Wow. Let's talk about that first year that you got into the real estate side of the business. How did it go? Did you have a fast start or a slow start? First year I had 13 sales. Uh, actually, it's what I did. And I think a lot of it came from just going to my existing database, right? It's what I knew best on the insurance. I applied a lot of what we did in insurance because it's, you know, insurance is based on residuals, Mike. So as long as you keep your clients happy, they'll keep coming to you. And as long as those auto and homeowners keep renewing, we still get paid. And uh, so I just went back to my natural source, which was my database. And the fact that they knew I was doing real estate, people do business with who they know, like, and trust. So uh, it was a natural transition for them to not only uh, have their insurance with me, but when it came time to sell their home, uh, to use our services. So you had 13 sales that first year, so that's a bit better than the average agent, but not phenomenal. However, you were doing two sources of income. Was there a year that, that clicked, things really took off, that you figured out the real estate side? You know, we were very fortunate. I mean, the next year, I actually went from, uh, from 13 sales to over 50 sales. Uh, the next year, which I felt was a huge quantum leap. And uh, I got into some coaching programs that were out there right away because I wanted to learn the business. And I applied direct response marketing to my business, which not only helped me on the insurance, Mike, but also helped me with what I was doing with real estate and saw the power of leverage and leveraging myself with people. Uh, So I did put uh, a marketing person right on. I put an inside salesperson on right away. And we just went to, to town on the phone and uh, were able to take a quantum leap that second year. Third year went to 77, fourth year went to 100. And uh, we kept just growing from there where last year we did just over 800 homes, uh, 809 homes last year to be exact. Wow. Now, now you mentioned going to coaching and you used the words quantum leap. Did that have anything to do with Craig Proctor? I did. I was with Craig Proctor for 19 years. Uh, actually, was a student of his coming in the door, and then uh, 
did really, very well with his program and ended up uh, coaching for Craig for a number of years and ended up running one of his elite mastermind groups called the Diamond Group just uh, over the last couple of years. I was doing that for Craig. Wow, that is fantastic. So you, you, you tapped into that. That helped your real estate side. I assume just in the big picture, as your real estate side was growing, your insurance side probably was growing as well. Yeah, we have just over 5,000 accounts and households uh, with the insurance business. And what happened was, Mike, is as we sold more and more homes, we wrote more and more auto and homeowners because it was, again, just a natural transition to keep both, you know, all in one and all in the same company. Wow, that is fantastic. I've heard of agents that tie uh, real estate with mortgage or title. You've tied it in with insurance, with homeowners insurance. And, uh, and that, that's a great match. It is. And I think, you know, it's really recession proof, Mike, because you have to have auto insurance, right? In New York state anyway, yeah, you have to have auto, you have to have homeowners. And that's one of the bills I get paid every month. And I know January 1st, pretty much give or take, uh, within about 10% what we're going to make and generate, uh, with revenue. We can't do that in real estate. We can't do that with mortgages, but you can do it with insurance. Uh, that is really cool. Now, I want to go back for a second, and I want to talk about that second year when you went from 13 to 50. You said you got into coaching. You did some direct response. But what specifically were you doing to get that big jump? You know, that's, that's almost four times as much business in one year. Well, you know, like as you may or may not be familiar with it, but uh, with the correct practice system, we did a lot of uh, direct response marketing. So we were running classified ads, we were running um, editorial ads, we were doing postcards, which we still do today, not as effective as they were in the past because print advertising is not that effective, but it still is very, uh, it still generates a positive return for us. But there would be times that if we sent out, say, 5,000 postcards, it wouldn't be uncommon for us to get anywhere between 100 to 150 inquiries for people that wanting information on what their home is worth. And um, or wanted one of our free reports, which we would do on direct responses, advertising. So we weren't cold calling. Uh, and to this date, uh, I could say that we never have cold called. It's all leads that have come to us through direct response marketing. We had people raise their hand and want to do business with us or wanted the information that we had. So we're providing something of value. And then they turn around and give us their information. And then we would follow up as a customer service a request just to say, hey, you know, I got your information. You wanted this free report or you wanted information on what homes you're selling for an area. I want to send that report out to you. By the way, are you looking to make a move in the next three to six months, right? And that was the same script over and over thousands of times that we repeated. And by investing our proceeds back in, you know, in the beginning, Mike, I, I always invested back into my business because I always felt, especially with the insurance, that if you're not going to invest in yourself, you're not going to be able to grow your business. And I always, from the get-go, started at right around 20% of uh, that check that would come in. So if I got a $5,000 uh, commission check, well, 1000 bucks was going into a marketing account, and I was putting that back out in the market. And I was putting that into direct response marketing, and I would always get two or three more sales from that. So you're leveraging up by reinvesting and I want to talk a little bit about that. So those skills you learned, it sounds like that was maybe quite a bit ago, maybe 18 years ago that you first started to get into this. You were learning this direct response marketing, how to generate inbound calls. You were using some older mediums that aren't necessarily around or as strong anymore, like classified ads or 
maybe some postcards. You said editorial ads, print. However, I assume that you were learning concepts there that still apply today if you use them in a different medium. So, for instance, taking the idea you learned off of the classified ads and applying it out there to Craigslist, or taking the ideas you learned off the editorial ads and applying them out there to Facebook ads. Is that true? Is that something you've learned and that you've been able to apply into today's marketing? Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely changed. I mean, the basics are still there. It's one of the things that I always talk to my agents about, talk to my coaching members about. The basics are still there. You got to pick up the phone. You still got to make the phone calls. But the way we advertise or the way we get our business, we didn't have Facebook back then. We didn't have YouTube channels back then. And there's so much uh, importance right now around personal branding, right? And I feel that taking that information, giving it out to people, they want to see and they relate better and they engage better to social media, to video, to these type of things. So that's what we did. And, and really, when I look back, we did a lot of TV advertising, we did a lot of radio advertising, and that has become, I believe, less efficient or less successful as far as the return on it. We saw the numbers go down. But now you have new channels out there, right? Uh, you have YouTube, you have Facebook, you have all these different things that are out there that people are now clicking into. What I feel is that they're just different channels on a TV set, right? They're just Instagram and uh, say Snapchat. Those are for younger crowds where Facebook is for you know a little bit of an older crowd. Uh, we're having a lot of success with really focusing on the social media channels uh, for advertising. And like you said, giving that free value of, of direct response marketing on that platform. But again, the offline component still works, Mike, still works by going offline. It's just not as, as effective, I guess, or not as uh, granular as it used to be. One more question on that. In the old days, <laughs> the old Craig Proctor days, the concepts were pretty simple. In order to attract a buyer, you want to show them homes because they want to see homes. In order to attract a seller, you want to offer them a free market analysis because they want to know the value of their property. My opinion, that's still the same today. Would you agree? Yes, I do agree. Back in the day, though, we would have people come to our office. And the value that we brought as agents is that we could say to them, hey, come to our office because we want to sit down with you. We want to give you this free list of homes. And now they laugh at us, right, Mike? They laugh at us uh, because now they can go online and they can get whatever they want. So that value from the agent is just not there anymore. So what we really try to focus on is to get that consumer to raise their hand to come to us. But if they're requesting information on a home, then we want to go out there and get them out to a home as quickly as we can and then bring them back to the office once we've built that relationship. So you've changed the step that you'll walk a buyer through instead of bringing them into your office first, which was unusual at the time, you're going to take them out to a property first and get to meet them because the same drive is there with the buyer. The buyer wants to get inside and see a home. Agreed? I agree 100%. And I've seen too many agents lose prospective buyers because um, just the whole society has changed where we become more of a microwave society. And they want it now and they want it quick. And that's why it's so important to follow up on these leads within the first first minute or two if you can because if not they're jumping on another website or you're going to have four or five agents calling them before you get to them so i see that buyers usually respond quickest when you get back to them quicker and they're usually going to deal with that first agent that calls them and give them the information they want if you make it hard for them and you start saying hey i need to get you pre-qualified first and 
I'm going to have my lender follow up with you, and I, I want you to come into my office. We're going to go through a presentation. Uh, they're just not having it. So we want to get to see them first, build that relationship, and then put them back into the funnel of going through the proper channels with a really good fact finder of exactly what they're looking for and go into the pre-qual at that time. How about on the sell side with the seller? Again, my assumption is the thing the seller wants to know is the value of their home, just like in the old days. They do have some options online, just like the buyers can look at properties online. But they want to get a little more detailed, more than just, say, a quick Zillow estimate, a Zestimate, try to figure out the value of the home. They want to know exactly what it's worth if they're a serious seller. Would you agree with that? I agree. And that's one of the things that's a little harder to market for sellers if you're just going to do it online. I see Facebook ads and doing it that way. I think that sellers really focus on who they feel is dominant in their area. Uh, or someone that was referred to them. Uh, and that's why I think geographic farming works very well. And also targeted radius type posts and Facebook also work very well because the more they see you, the more information you give them about the area, the more they're going to see you as the expert. They're going to see you as the one that they need to go to when it's time to sell their home. But when we're sitting with them, like at the actual closing, or I have something with them on the phone trying to get to see them, I'll say to them, I said, you know, the best way for me to find out, which I can't do it over the phone, but the best way is for me to actually meet with you. I can give you a really good idea of what your home is worth, but I can also go over some different costs with you and some of the different expenses that you're going to see. Uh, so I can give you a much better figure of what you're going to walk away with at the closing table. And that's what people really want to see, right? And they want to see also, what are you going to do to market their home and how are you going to get buyers and multiple buyers uh, into their property? I was really strong and, and pretty important. I want people to hear that. You were talking about not only the value, but adding your value to the proposition by saying you'll talk about the costs associated with the sale. And I assume how much they're going to net and walk out of the closing with. And then you'll show them how you're going to get there through the marketing and lead generation and bringing buyers in their home. You also mentioned it was interesting to gain a better reputation. You going into geographic farming, an older concept. Uh, but then you also mentioning targeted Facebook posts. What was going on there? What are you doing with targeted Facebook posts to get sellers to know who you are and build your reputation with them? Well, like we do just listed, just sold postcards, right, to a geographic farm. But we can also do it on Facebook. And what we've done is taken a picture of the homeowner. I had one yesterday that we put on the, on the website where it's a husband and wife, and they're holding a sold sign. And then under there is a great testimonial about how they loved our services and how they loved working with us and that they highly recommend uh, Willie Miranda and Miranda Real Estate Group. So we put that in an actual post on our business page. And then I go right to where they're, they're located, their address, and I can actually do a five-mile radius around their home. And I'll throw 20, 30 bucks uh, behind it. And I'll get all kinds of people, believe it or not, that actually know who they are, right? They're not even friends of mine. But because it's being targeted to that radius of homes right around there, I've been able to get people to respond, wish them well and sell them their home. And then I take those likes, I go on to them, and I message them directly and thank them for commenting on the post. And I ask them if they're looking to buy or sell. And I just picked up one last week that way with a neighbor right down the street that responded uh, and gave feedback, you know, gave a comment. 
And uh, she's going to be putting her house on the market after the first of the year. And she's already given me permission to send her my book and also send her some information. And we're going to meet right after the first of the year. <laughs> that is fantastic. Love how you've took this, again, an older concept of the just list that just sold, the happy seller standing there in front of their house with a sold sign picture. We used to put that on postcards. Now you're putting it in a Facebook post. You're just using a different medium. And then instead of a phone call coming in that you're replying to, you're doing, as you said, uh, communication through Facebook with that messaging. But you're still asking the same questions. You're still following up with those leads and you're still turning them into customers and clients. Yeah, and that's the way it works. One of the things, you know, we were talking about the script on the seller. I was just thinking as we were talking about this, uh, another one that I did it with, she said that, um, you know, can I just give her the information on the phone, right? I text her information and I'd love to come over and see your house. Well, can you just let me know what my home is worth over the phone? And I said, you know, I said, I give you the best accurate figure. I need to come take a look at it. And not only will I look at it, but I'll also give you some tips on what to do and more importantly, what not to do to get your home sold fast for top dollar. And uh, that one sentence or phrase uh, got me an appointment with her, and we ended up listing it uh, for just under four hundred thousand dollars, three eighty nine nine. That's what we listed it at. But she was already blowing me off and just sent it in the mail. And most agents would say, "Okay, great, I'll send it," thinking they have a lead. Uh, but let's face it, we need to get belly to belly, just like we did twenty years ago. You're not going to sell or sign a listing paperwork over the phone. <laughs> That's a valuable piece of information. Very good. And I like how you said not only that you would use the positive, here are the tips to get it sold quicker, but the things not to do. Because there certainly are things a seller could do to mess things up. Absolutely. Well, Willie, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for walking down that path with me. I'd like to back up for a minute and get a couple more of your quick stats. So, uh, number one, how long have you been in the business? Well, since 1998. So, it's been 20 years uh, as a real estate agent. How many homes did you sell last year, and what was the sales volume? Uh, 2017, we sold 809 homes for right around $169 million. Wow. Do you recall the GCI? $4.4 million. Wow, that is fantastic. Congratulations. And you're doing pretty well this year. We're about uh, almost three-quarters of the way through the year. Do you know what your stats are for this year, year-to-date? Uh, Year-to-date, at the end of September, we're about 623 homes and $128 million. So we're already ahead of last year, and there's a lot of companies around us that are actually a little bit off this year because, you know, the market is shifting a little bit in our, our area. Uh, so I, I really say because of the agents, their efficiencies, sticking to the activities and the referrals that we get, um, we're seeing an uptick in business over prior year. Now, over the last 20 years, have you put together your stats? Do you know how many homes you sold in your career and what that volume has been? We did. I ran the numbers the other day, and since 2002, so not really counting 1998, but since we opened our doors in, in 2002, we sold 8,200 homes for just over $1.5 billion of real estate volume. Wow, that's amazing. You are now a billion-dollar agent. Yes. It was actually written in the billion dollar agent too. They had a book that came out a few years back and they had interviewed us for it. And it was anyone that had reached a billion dollars or who was on pace to do a billion dollars. And, um, and I was about uh, eight, eight years ago or so. And I never thought, you know, when you, when you think back to that, I was like, geez, billion dollars is a lot of money. But here we're already on our way to $2 billion. So I'm very fortunate 
that we've had a really good ride with uh, our real estate practice and also the agents that have worked with us. You've got a team. We'll, we'll talk about the team in a minute, but are you still personally in production? This year is the first year, Mike, that I really haven't been that involved in production. I will do it for very close friends and family, people that I have in my, um, you know, my center of influence. And I'll bring a listing specialist with me or I'll bring a buyer agent with me. I haven't shown homes in many, many years as far as from the buyer side, but I do still stay involved in the listing side to a certain degree because I want to stay fresh. I want to still be able to know what it is being out there in the trenches. And I think it just makes me more relevant with my agents to be able to uh, kind of share stories of in the trenches and really stay fresh on our game. Now, people are always asking me, what is the most number of properties that a, a single agent or a solo agent can do on their own? Over the course of the last 20 years, when you've been selling, what is the most number of homes that you personally, you personally were able to sell in a given year? Well, uh, when we did the 53, I had 53 homes that one year. I had had uh, an assistant towards the end of that year. Uh, and then since then, you know, we've had more and more uh, support staff. But I really think, and I tell this to agents all the time, once you get to about 30, 35 deals, you really need support of at least a marketing person or an administrative person that's going to help you with some of the, you know, 10 15 $20 an hour work in order to go to that next level. Because if not, I think right around that 30 35 deal, you're going to start losing business and not giving the type of service that you need to give that wow or that raving fan service to your uh, customers. And that's just going to result in bad business. It's going to result in uh, less referrals. Um, so that's about where I, I think the break point is. But it was right around 50 deals, uh, Mike, that I did on my own. And that was a grueling year doing that all on my, by myself. Sure. Yeah. And you were running the other business at the same time. <laughs> you were probably putting in a lot of hours. Let me ask this. Today, how big is the team? How many people are on the team? Well, you know, I have that question all the time. And right now we have 80, just over 80 agents at our company. We have about 10 full-time support staff people that work with us uh, that are, you know, on the book and uh, employees. But, um, you know, we have a mix of part-time agents. We have a mix of newer agents that just came uh, into the business for their career. Uh, and then I've had agents that have been with me, Mike, since they started in their career. You know, they go back 12, 13, 14 years that are with us. So we run a very hybrid model because my background is I was a single agent and I had a small team and then I had a large team of about 17 agents on my team. Uh, we were the number one agent here in upstate New York and Albany, New York back in 2009 and 2010. And then at that point, uh, I broke off into saying, all right, I'm going to be more of a brokerage, uh, but have that team concept feel. So we're really a, a hybrid of a team brokerage model because we foster a team environment. We give out leads to our agents, um, and we call those team leads. They have a different split on those leads versus the leads that they do on their own. But we also have the support for the agents like we did when I was running myself because I want to have that same support given to those agents so that they can build a business within my business. And every agent that works for me at my company, I treat as a partner. So I really feel that I'm investing in them, they're investing in their business, and I'm only as good as those agents that are working for us. So we have a, a much different model than, say, your traditional brokerages that are out there or some of these other companies that are 100% companies that are out. 
Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. You know, this is really neat, Willie, because you can give us a lot of insight into those different models. So I want to ask a, a question. I hope you'll give us a straight answer on this, and that is you've run the as an individual. You ran as a, a very small team. You ran as a large team of 17. Now you're running as this hybrid team brokerage model with uh, almost 100 people. And the question I have for you is, which of those four was the most profitable? Well, that's a great, great question, and I just answered that the other day. And the most profitable, uh, I feel, was actually having the larger team of 17, because I felt that once I got to that 10, 15 agent mark, I became more of a manager, Mike. So it took me out of personal production, because now I was managing and answering questions and training all these agents. And it wasn't until I got to probably 40 to 50 agents that I felt that I was making just as much as I was with the the 17 agent model. But now just with that comes a lot more people, a lot more management, uh, a lot more uh, expenses for sure uh, with payroll and, and all the other things that are out there. But if I, you know, any recommendation that I give to an agent before they go building a big brokerage or trying to go that model, I always tell them that. I always did better as a as a, a larger team uh, because you have more control, right? I mean, I would tell my agents that you know if they weren't producing at least twenty deals a year, they couldn't work with us. And if they weren't coming in and doing the training and making the phone calls, that they weren't going to get any leads. It's harder to do that on a bigger model because you have agents that are truly independent contractors that don't want that type of micromanagement. And you know, at the end of the day, we've already committed to that model, and we have to keep it going. And I think it works very well. But that's why I think the team brokerage model works best for me because I still want to be involved in helping those team members grow their business. But I want to give them the independence of feeling that they're building their business within our business. So a couple questions. This hybrid model that you're running, at what point would you have to build it up to so that it dropped the same amount of net profit to the bottom line as running that team of 17? Have you looked at those numbers? You know, we're right around there right now at about 80 agents. This is why we're pushing to go um, to about 125 agents. I feel by getting to the 125 mark that we pretty much double where we were as a 17-agent team model. And we're doing some different things as well, too. Give you an example, like having a listing specialist on board. I actually have a listing specialist that I pay a salary to and a base salary, and then she gets a smaller commission split on what gets done. So let's say if I went on it, like I mentioned to you, I had a friend that wanted to list this property and I brought her with me and she would get 15% when that closed. She would do all the paperwork. She would do all the, you know, get the pictures, get the photographer in, kind of walk through the inspection right through to closing. But I was doing more of the intro and just being more of the shaking hands and a relationship person in that situation. So that's why I was 15. If she went on her own because it came through a postcard and my inside sales followed up on it, postcard goes out, they call. We set the appointment. My listing specialist goes out. She closes it. She gets uh, 30%, which I feel is a pretty fair commission split when you're getting a small base salary. 
And then anything that she brings in on her own is a 50-50 split. So that has worked very, very well for us where we've seen a third being paid out to her salary and commission and two-thirds coming to us. That makes a big difference with the bottom line, especially when you have someone doing about 50 deals a year on that listing specialist side. So we just put a second one on and we're looking for a third one here in fourth quarter. A listing specialist, thank you for walking us through that. You mentioned a, a small base. Uh, how small? Uh, 26000 base is what we pay. So again, nothing that's going to get anyone rich. You want to keep them, them lean so that they're still working and they need to make more. But it's just enough that it's steady income coming in every two weeks. And they're an employee, so I can dictate you know, what deals they have to go on, you know, where they have to go, where, what time they need to be in the office, uh, what they need to call on. And that's made a huge difference where I found that some of the independent agents, you know, they started asking, right, Mike, like, well, where is it and how much is it and what neighborhood is it at? Well, yeah, I got something going on that day, right? <laughs> so she's able to get, <laughs> she's able to get the high ones, uh, the low ones and also the high ones. And uh, on some of the higher ones that we're marketing and going after, it just does so much, you know, a different, uh, from an economic standpoint, we've been able to generate a lot more profit that way because I feel our commissions are totally being, you know, just pushed downward uh, in the competitive market that we're in with listings. And you have agents that just want more and more commissions with all the recruiting. So um, having a listing specialist gives it more of that team feel and it's been working for us. You mentioned there's that base, the, the 26. Does she receive commissions on top of the base, or does the commission income go against the base like a draw initially? No, it's in addition to the base. And her total compensation, I don't know how long you've been doing this, is she doing well? Is she maybe making six figures? What what kind of thing is the total package working out for her? Yeah, last year, year to year, it was about $118,000. So that's pretty pocket. good. That's pretty awesome for her. Yeah. You're generating the majority of the leads and you've got all this back support and she's basically able to go out there and get the listing and run with it and focus exclusively on listings and make a really good income. Yes. Yeah, it works pretty good. And it's something that uh, we had many years ago. I say many years ago, maybe about seven or eight years ago. And it worked well with that one uh, listing special we had did about 70 sales that year. And that was one of the most profitable years that we had by having someone down that could do that. And it just, I, I thought it was better service. And it was something that uh, didn't affect the other agents because we helped them build their business, build their referrals. And we also give them leads uh, as well. But most of, the, most of those leads are going to be buyer leads going out to the other team members, which a lot of the buyer leads have homes to sell. So they take advantage of that. And the biggest mistake that I've heard over the years with people with listing specialists is they try to pay them like a buyer agent and they end up overpaying. It sounds like you've got this under control. 15% if you make the introduction to actually go out on the appointment and help out. You got 30% if it's a company lead, and then she runs with it from there, and you did all the work to get it to that point. And then on her own, though, she makes a, a nice bonus. She's going to be at a 50-50 split, and you're still running the back end for her. That sounds pretty fair. It sounds like it's also been profitable for both you and her. Right. We want to look for the win-win because I don't want someone coming on board, doing all that training and getting them up on board for them to leave because they felt it was a win-lose. So I know some agents I talk to are only doing it 20%. Some agents uh, will give it across the board, even on their personal referrals. But I felt this was a nice tiering of commission split based on the effort she had. You know, So if she does an open house and picks up a buyer lead, then 
that's great. 50-50 split. Let's talk real quickly about the other compensation program you have for the rest of the agents in the office. Uh, what kind of splits have you set up for them? If they're on a team model, meaning that we give them support, we pay for their signs, uh, we do a lot of the marketing for them. Uh, we do just, you know, again, the support's a big thing. What I found, uh, Mike, over the years of doing this for so long is that agents really look for three things. Uh, they want leads, they want support, and they want training. Not in that exact order, but so we provide them with all that, right? We give them leads, we give them the training, and we give them the support. So that's the team model that we start off with, with new agents that come on board or experienced agents if they want that type of model. And they start off at a 50% split up until their first 30,000 of GCI. Then they go to a 60% for their next 30,000 of GCI. And uh, so once they hit that, you know, 60,000, then they go to 70% and then they stay at 70%. They earn the right to stay there. And I don't play around with tears and knock them down again in the first of the year. I hated that at the other companies I was with. And uh, we keep them at 70%. And that seems to be a good sweet spot for them. But if we give them a lead, a company-generated lead that they take, then they pay the company back a 25% referral fee off the top. And then they uh, get 70% on the balance. So it works out to be about a 50-50 split to them on a company-generated lead. Ah, very good. So a company-generated lead, the company receives a referral fee. And just like if it were to have come in as a referral relocation from across the country, and then the remainder is split just like it would have been, again, as it was a reload lead. So that makes a lot of sense. That's, that sounds pretty good. And then the other, Mike, the other um, compensation I have is we have some independent agents that come from some of these other 100% companies and these other companies that are out there, but they may not like the culture. Or they may not like, you know, maybe who they're working for or the area that they're at. They want to come work for our company. So I have about 13 agents right now that are on what we call our independent model. And the way that works is that they get a 75% split when they come on board. And once they reach 25000 of company dollar, then they go to 100% until their anniversary. But they pay their own signs, their own lockboxes. They input their own listings. They do all that. But they take advantage of the training. They take advantage of getting company leads occasionally so that they can uh, pay their referral fee back on that as well. But I think it's really the coaching and mentoring that I give them that really attracts them to us because they're able to still make that 100% and get to that point, but not have to you know, give up seven or $80,000 of income for that. And they get the training that we give them. We, you know, we do training pretty much three times a week. And once a month, we do a, all company-wide meeting. And they really love the fact that they can uh, tap into me happen to my brother, Brian, to get that support to help them grow their business and truly look at us as partners in their business. Well, Willie, I want to switch gears real quick. Did I understand, we talked a little bit before, do I understand that you have been getting Zillow leads and they've been working well for you? They have been. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, you hear a lot of people out there saying Zillow is the evil of all and everything else, but Zillow's here and, you know, they are a disruptor in our market right now. But, you know, just like everything else, if you don't adapt to change, you're going to be obsolete in this business. And one of the things that I keep telling my agents is that it's becoming a forced change. And if you don't change, you're going to be out of business. And, uh, you, you know, you think back to, you know, just recently what, uh, say, Uber has done to the tax business and what Amazon's now doing to the retail business, you know, even taking a look at uh, borders and 
Travelocity and what they did to the travel agencies. Like, this is what Zillow and uh, Realtor.com and, you know, UpNest and, you know, all these other programs that are out there are starting to do. So if you don't adapt to the change, you're going to be out of business. So we've learned to uh, embrace them, make sure that we're following up with these leads because they are very good leads. Uh, but you have to have the right follow-up system. You have to call them, you know, within that first five minutes. You have to have a good follow-up system and, and drip campaign in effect. So uh, when we're following up on Ozilla leads, we call them three times in the first 72 hours. We don't get a hold of them. We're calling them once a week for four weeks. If we still haven't called them, we're calling them once a month for 12 months. We call it the 3 4 12. And our conversion rate has been a lot better, just over 5% on that versus the national average, I think, is less than 2%. So I think the, the reason for that is because we have a great follow-up system, we have an inside sales department, and we do a really good job of following up with that lead. So we've had a great return on investment on Zillow leads. Now, a big source of your business is coming from past client repeating referrals. Tell us real quickly, I know we're running a little short on time, but tell us real quickly what you do on an annual basis to stay in front of your past clients and sphere of influence to generate those repeating referrals? Well, I've been a big proponent of newsletters for a number of years. You know, we customize our own newsletters in-house. You know, we used to use um, Service for Life in the past, and then we decided that 65%, and this is really from going to a lot of marketing conferences out there, like Dan Kennedy and some of the other ones that are out there, 65% 65% of a newsletter needs to be non-relevant to real estate. And my newsletters have stuff about me, has stuff about my kids, has my wife's recipe in there, but because it's not because it's just a recipe, but because it's Willie's, you know, favorite dish or, you know, Willie's wife's recipe from a grandmother or whatever the situation may be. But people really start to get to know you. And we've been very consistent with about 10 newsletters, 10 over the course of the year. I don't do them in August and I don't do them in December. But we send out the newsletter to our, our database of our past clients, um, to our center of influence, uh, anyone that comes through as a referral. And I also have a small farm area of about 1,000 residents that I send it out to two. But I do 10 newsletters a year, and that's been very, very effective. In other words, if I had to get rid of all the advertising I had, just keep one, the newsletter would be one that I would definitely keep. But you asked, how do I keep in touch with them? How do I get their all that business coming in from referrals. Um, We have like 39 different really touches that we actually get out to them. The 10 newsletters, like I mentioned, I also do two videos that we email each and every month that we post on, on an email blast to contact to that group of our center of influence. And they're getting stuff on buyer tips. They're getting stuff on seller tips, getting market updates. But I send that out uh, twice a month. So that's 24 uh, videos that they're getting. And then we give one call a year. Uh, now I have a database now of somewhere around 800 uh, contacts now, but I break them up as like a, uh, the VIP clients. I got about 25 VIPs and A's. And those are the ones that I personally contact. Uh, those are about 220. And then the rest, I have my inside sales following up with, calling, seeing, you know, what we can do to help them out, let them know about a property I have for sale. I ask them if they want information on the home value of their home. Uh, and that's worked out really well. And then we do four client events a year. What kind of events do you do each year? Uh, we'll do a comedy events where we actually have them uh, come to a local comedy club. 
and that's more of an adult only. Uh, we don't have kids go to that event, but that has worked very well for us over the years. Uh, we do an Easter event right around Easter where we have my nephew actually dresses up in a bunny suit, and uh, we have a, a camera photographer there taking pictures that spits out onto a, a magnetic strip, and we're able to give them the picture right there with the bunny, and they put it on Facebook, and we put it all over Facebook and uh, really tag our clients, and they comment on how great it is to be with Marine Real Estate Group and look what my realtor did for me, and just a, a great time. They even have little, little live Easter bunnies jumping around. The golf tournament, we, every year we do a golf tournament. We just did our golf tournament last week, raised the money for the Children's Hospital. We've raised now just under $300,000 for the Children's Hospital over the last 13 years. So we invite our customers and clients to that. We had uh, just about 200 golfers and clients and individuals come to that event each and every year. And then the last one is we do our pie event that we've been very consistent with. Tuesday prior to Thanksgiving, we have clients come to our office. Last year, we gave out over 300 pies of clients that come to our office to pick up free pumpkin or apple pie for the holidays. Just real quick, to go back to that newsletter, is that mailed out, direct mailed out, or is it sent out as a electronic? In the mail, snail mail, best way to get it. Snail mail. And then how big is it? Is it uh, one page, two page, four pages? And how big are the pages? Yeah, it's an eight and a half by 11, but they're four pages. And uh, send them out to a local printer who prints them out color on the front, and then the inside is black and white. Uh, they fold it, put a stamp on it, and they tab it for us. And then we just throw the labels and mail them out. And I assume that there are some call to actions in there. What's the most uh, successful call to action that you have in the newsletter? You know, I wrote uh, two books, what every person needs to know about selling a home here in the Capital District. And the other one's about buying. Uh, We'll put that in there. So for a free book, they can reach out to our company. We'll put free reports in there. Now, maybe the 10 biggest buyer mistakes, buyer's bank on buying a home or something like that, or we'll do um, just to really just to find out what the value of their home is to go onto our website and find out that. So that, that's usually the call to action. And we'll do some buyer ones in there as well to get a, you know, the free list of homes just doesn't do well for us like it used to. So um, we pull that one out and we may do the buyer book, which gives us a little bit more traction because it's for people that want to learn about buying, right? Especially these first-time home buyers, which account for about, I don't know, last I read, it was about 34% of the sales across the country are first-time home buyers. So we want to reach that audience as well. Well, Willie, uh, you've told us a lot about your business. A question people have is, are you profitable? We are. I mean, as a brokerage, I think brokerages are going broke nowadays uh, from what I'm, I'm hearing across the country. And I think the teams that are very focus and have great systems in place are very, very profitable. Because I've taken myself out of direct selling, uh, obviously, I know there's a little bit of a hit that you take there. But right now, I mean, we're taking somewhere around 16%, at least last year was 16% to the bottom line on the the entire brokerage, trying to push that closer to 20%. And I'm okay with that. Uh, I also have my insurance office still today. Uh, We've had that now since 1995. So 23 years, uh, that's a very, very profitable business for me that I work about three to four hours a month in. Uh, And I have a coaching business, you know, running around the country speaking and talking to a bunch of great agents out there and uh, making income from there. So you can only make so much, right, Mike? 
<laughs> that's great. But Willie. I think, and I want to make sure that that's coming across humbly because I'm not saying it's a brag. It, you can always make more, but uh, you also have to be happy in what you're doing and have that work family balance. And, um, you know, like I mentioned before our call today, I'm going to be visiting my daughter. They're both in college and my wife and I are now empty nesters. We want to travel. So pretty comfortable right now. It's been a, been a great run and, you know, there's no debt. There's money in the bank. Kids college put away. So now it's a little time for me to uh, enjoy life at the young age of uh, 50. I'll be 51 in October. So got a lot of, you know, knock on wood, a, a lot of more years to, to have fun. And uh, this real estate business has done great for myself and my family. Well, Willie, what drives you? Uh, you know, my family, uh, my family and my kids and giving them things that I didn't have growing up as a kid. You know, a lot of people had, I, I remember back, uh, you know, say 10 years ago, as we were becoming more and more successful and growing in the business and, and getting nice things I was providing to my family. I would have people say, well, geez, you know, it must be nice. And what is it like to be like you? And, oh, it must be nice to have a, you know, nice home or drive nice cars. And I used to feel guilty about that and um, would really not want to get in conversations about that. And, and now my answer is, yes, it is nice. It is nice to have those things because I worked my tail off to do that. But you know what? I credit all my success um, sur- surrounding myself with really good people. I feel I have uh, the best staff out there to handle the business. I can go away for a month and things are run very smoothly. I have great agents that work for my company that are loyal, that get recruited every day because their production is very well and they're out there. They're exposed because they do so much marketing. So I really think, Mike, what drives me is really just giving my family things. I didn't have growing up as a kid, like I mentioned, and really being able to now to see the success and growth of other agents uh, through my training and support. Willie, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting into business, what would you tell them to do first? Uh, just be a sponge, but I mean, a, a brand new agent coming in, I think they really need to um, get on the fast track. I teach at a local licensing school, and I see a lot of these agents, you know, 100 agents come through a class, and 80 of them would be out of the business within the first year. And it's because they try to do all these things on their own. They're not really paying attention to what needs to be done. And my advice would be two things, actually. I would say the first thing is I would try to talk to five people a day, you know, give yourself a number, five people a day that you put into your database and start building that database. Because I feel that at the end of the day, your success or failure is in direct result to the number of people that are in your database that when they think of real estate, you want them to think of you, right? So five people a day is what I tell my agent, you know, did you get your five? Did you get your five? And I don't care if you have to pick up the phone, make that phone call, which is the best or send five messengers through Facebook, that's the way you want to go, uh, or send five emails or texts. But uh, five people a day, that's one. And the other thing is I would hook up with an experienced agent. And if you had to work for them for free for a year, I would do that. And uh, Or even just take a small percentage, uh, maybe 10 or 20% uh, on a commission split, just to be around them, drive around with them, see how they talk to clients, see what they do, pick their brand and what they did and be successful and really find out what these top agents are doing because the sooner you can get on that fast track, the more successful you'll be as a new agent. Excellent advice. Now, Willie, do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? 
Oh, absolutely, Mike. I mean, I, you know, I've been in the business 20-something years, and I, I listen to two to three, uh, either a webinar or a podcast now. Podcasts have been great. And I'm on at least two or three of them. It drives my wife nuts sometimes because she'll hear it in the other room and I got to get a headset, uh, you know, because it's just really good stuff. But I think that, you know, the road to success is always under construction, right? Uh, it's one of the things I believe Lily Tomlin said many years ago, her quote, and I, I have a big thing in my office that says that, uh, you never reach success. And I think that learning from top agents all over the country is exactly what I said for new agents, but even more so for the experienced agents, because most agents in your office or in your marketplace are not going to share the things that they're doing to be successful. And by going on to calls like yours and going on to different podcasts and webinars, you get to learn from the best agents all across the country that are giving them their best stuff. And now you just have to take that stuff and bring it back and execute. And if you could do that, you'll be very successful and calls like this are going to be very valuable uh, for many years to come. Yeah, thank you, Willie. Now talking about excellent sources of knowledge for real estate agents, I believe that you wrote a book for real estate agents. Could you tell us a little bit about that? I did. I wrote a book uh, back in 2015 and the title of the book, very unique. The, the title of the book is How to Not Get Your Ass Kicked in the Real Estate Business. And really, I, it was a book, Mike, that I wanted to give out to uh, other coaching members because I felt I was repeating myself over and over again with a lot of stuff that I share with you today. And I wanted them to know some of the basic stuff on, you know, what does a perfect week look like for a real estate agent? How do you get off to a fast start with lead generation? Uh, what do you should be doing? Like, uh, I learned the hard way about putting money aside. When we had that big, big uh, jump in our business, my, my uh, accountant, Two days before uh, the tax was due, said, geez, you know, congratulations, you had a great year, Willie. I said, yeah, thank you. And he says, and by the way, I need a check for $78,000 two days. And I was like, what? You know, uh, is because I wasn't paying estimates. Right? I was doing the estimates. I wasn't really forecasting uh, that. And so in the book, I talk about some of the things that we should be doing, having that tax account, putting that marketing account, like I mentioned earlier, putting money away for retirement. At the end of the day, I see so many agents in this business, Mike, that right now, you know, the market is pretty good. Uh, they're driving around in, you know, uh, these souped-up lease cars and these $3,500 suits and Rolex watches. And I've seen a lot of those agents, when the market turned, uh, they're out of the business, lost their family, they're divorced. Uh, because financial, if you don't have that right, uh, you're going to be in trouble. So that's one of the big pieces also in that book and a lot of other things that are in there. But I think at the end of the day, the book was meant for helping people grow their business. And you can, it's an Amazon bestseller. Uh, if anyone wants a copy of it, they can go out to Amazon and there's a uh, book there, I think it's like 1495, How Did Not Get Your Ass Kicked in a Real Estate Business. Or I have a free tool that if you want to go uh, against that, in the back of the um, book, we give out a bunch of things like my listing presentation, my close plan, uh, all kinds of different things that we do. And that website is freewillystuff.com. And it's Willie with I-E at the end. But if you go to freewillystuff.com, you're more than happy to give them free information uh, just by being part of this call. And you don't even have to buy the book if you don't want. But uh, it, I think it's a great book. And I'm happy to share anything that I can with you or any of your listeners, Mike. Willie, I really appreciate that. Well, Willie, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? 
I just think at the end of the day, I mean, uh, we're going through some changes. I would just say not to be scared of the changes, but to embrace the changes and just don't get so caught up. I mean, because there's so many different things that are out there, so many shiny objects. Just stick to the basics, compete with yourself, and really at the end of the day, execute on your goals and you'll be fine in this business. And I think it's actually a good time to be in this business. I think there's some exciting things ahead, but I think at the end of the day, just really make a plan, stick to the plan, and uh, you'll be very successful in this business. Well, Willie, you speak from experience, from solo agent to small team to large team to hybrid team broker. You've built and tested a lot of different models from your early days of quadrupling units in one year and selling 50 homes by yourself to leveraging with direct response marketing and staff. You've made plans and executed plans. I can't wait to see where you take your business next. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 80 homes last year as a solo agent. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.